0: Recorded live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Big and Fruity, a podcast for people who like a glass of wine. Sit back, relax, pour out a glass of your favorite wine, and join our host, Mr. Dave A.C.,
1: for the next hour,
0: while we enjoy some nice wine. The man who likes a good glass of red wine, your host, Mr. Dave AC.
1: Welcome, everybody. Welcome, and thank you again for that introduction, Ian, with that podsafe music in the background. This is the Big and Fruity Wine Podcast. I'm your host, Dave AC, and currently there's just myself here on audio, and therefore today's show will run Nominally, about a forty-minute mark, so I hope you will uh, relax, sit back, and listen. And if it's a suitable time of the day when you're listening, maybe you'll also have a glass of wine poured out. If you've looked at the show notes, you may know from my twitpic picture that the wine and I'm going to mention it early on now is um, a Nottage Hill Cabernet Syrah. Or Syrah, should I say, 2011 from South. Uh, East Australia and um it's from the Hardy brands of wine. Now all that will become part and parcel of today's call. This is episode eighty nine and the strap line is Wine, Water and Australia. Now last week just to recap somewhat I was doing a little bit um about wine becoming your pet and we didn't quite finish everything on that and indeed we were going to do a little bit of extra work on wine, well, not extra work, an, an extra factor two on wine holidays. But um, we've moved that forward. Sorry if that was one you were looking forward to, but um, the uh, something uh, that I saw during the week prompted me to move our choices around. So today's topic, as I say, is Wine Water in Australia. Uh, next week, uh, we can't do the... Uh, the continuation of the pet. Remember, that's talking about the uh, container uh, that is made not of glass. Uh, I won't read out what the actual chemicals stand for at the moment because I don't want to fluff those lines. Uh, But next week, of course, and I'll repeat this right at the end, um, uh, it will be after I've been to a a wine tasting event. So that episode will consist of a wine report. Uh, So it will be the 4th of June when we get back to... um, finishing off that work about pet and wine holiday. And appropriately enough, I've given the title of that episode, uh, Wine Holiday and Your Pet. And then um, the week after that, which is going all the way forward to the 11th of June, we'll be talking wine tasting descriptors. So uh, the next uh, three weeks or so, we're all set to go. Well, it's time to relax and mention the drink that I'm... Going to hopefully enjoy during the course of this podcast. Remember the Big and Fruity Wine Podcast. Call ID 112272 is live here on Talkshoe at 5 pm Eastern Daylight Time every Tuesday. If you're in the UK like myself, that's 10 pm. You're welcome to come and join me in the room and text chat, or maybe even come on audio. Uh, And, of course, you can listen to the back episodes here on the TalkShoe page. And, of course, it's also on iTunes. Just very quickly, just to remind you, a couple of links, and then we'll get on with the program. Big and Fruity is the Twitter account, and there's also a Facebook page, a Google Plus page, and I do have a WordPress blog at bigandfruity.wordpress.com. I think that's enough of that, everybody, don't you? Well, I have my wine uh, that was opened about just uh, an hour and a half ago. (coughs) Excuse me, poured out. um, And I'm using a smaller glass now on these shows for two reasons. One, because um, it gets rather clumsy having a great big bulbous red wine glass here when I've got all my bits of paper and things. And secondly, because I'm talking, (laughs) I only get to have a few sips. So if I sound... Drunk, and I believe uh, here in the UK there was one that rather um, tipsy uh, presenter just recently that um, was sounding so tipsy on the radio that people were calling in uh, to question whether she'd had drinks. Uh, Dear listener, I barely touch my wine during these podcasts because, of course, that would be rude, that would leave dead air, and wouldn't be much of a podcast. However, I do have a smaller. And when I say smaller, I think the maximum this glass would hold is uh, 175 millilitres. But I pour out about a 125 milliliter glass, which is what? A sixth of a bottle. It's uh, what is now classed as a small glass. If you go to any uh, things, I'm basically poured out a small glass, probably which I'll only get through half of it during the podcast. Well, I've already told you what it is. It's Nottage Hill. It's from the Hardy Group of Wines and it's Cabernet Shiraz 2011, uh, South East Australia, 14.5% by volume. And um, let's have a little sniff. And we've actually got the promise of dark fruit on the nose and a very slight, and to me it is only a slight, <coughs> floral edge. And maybe, not a nutmeg, but some sort of, for my nose, slightly undefined, but promise of spice on the taste. So let's have a little sip. Wow, that packs a punch. Big, big fruit, lots of big fruit, plummy, jammy fruits. And uh, although I call it blackcurrant, I think it's described as cassis, is it? Um, on, uh, Which is a, a, a blackcurrant flavour. Definitely there. <coughs> and that augurs well, by the way, for our 11th of June episode when we're talking about wine tasting descriptors. But yes, we've got um, plummy, jammy fruits, a little bit of spice. I'm just wondering if I just get a little... There's a little floral note there. Mm, Quite a dry red wine. Packs certainly a powerful punch. Has a long finish. (coughs) And um, let's put it this way. This is no wallflower. Not many Australian wines are wallflowers. uh, And this one certainly um, is a robust red wine. So let me put in the pick image so you can see a little bit of what the bottle looks like. And um, I did uh, miss out one piece of information, two actually. I bought this from um, supermarket Tesco's here in the UK, and the price I paid for it wasn't reduced at all, was seven ninety eight, so £8. Currently, that would equate to $12 in the States, but again, as I mentioned before, uh, taxes on wines are higher, so you could probably get this for eight or nine dollars, I would think, in the States, assuming it's available. So, let me read out the TwitPic URL, all in small case, remember, mixture of letters and numbers. So, it is, oh, I think that's last, Ooh, yeah, okay, it's twitpic.com forward slash. C-S-8-M-8, and I think that's an L at the end. I'm just going to confirm that by hitting a number one on my typewriter. Yes, on oh, my typewriter? <laughs> David, you're showing your age. Your keyboard. <laughs> keyboard, forget that. Wipe that out. Expunge that from your thought. Yes, expunge. That's going to be my clever word of the day. Twitpick.com, forward slash C-S-8-M-8-L. That is the URL. We've had, uh, not been up long, but we've had uh, 26 viewings, two of which have been mine. So, 24 people have uh, pottered along there to have a little luck. Um, let me read while I've got the bottle in my hand. Let me read a little bit from the rear label and then I'll have another taste. Um, crikey. Here we go. Uh, this full bodied dry red wine shows rich cassis and spicy plum flavours with the complexity of soft vanilla oak characters. I'm going to check for that next time. A well-rounded, smooth wine with fine tannins and a persistent finish. Well, I would say subtle tannins rather than fine tannins, but let's see if we can get a little bit of those oaky note characters coming through. <coughs> well. Certainly there's the, a slightly oaked um, background to this. Not very strong on the vanilla front, but um, it's definitely there giving you a little backbone and a structure. Really, it's a rather pleasant drink. I'd be quite happy. Uh, and, and this, to me, is a sort of wine which would go nice with a, a, a big casserole or roast meat or maybe even a, a steak really um is a powerful piece of a piece powerful um bottle of wine and i think i will enjoy more of that later this evening so let me just go uh i've given the twit pick picture so i'm just going to clear that out let's go to um hardies now i've got some information about Hardys, and i'll tell you a little bit later why i've picked And I did pick, in particular, not so much the Cabernet Shiraz, but I wanted to pick a wine from the Hardys stable. Now, the link I've just put in the room is a rather long one and difficult one to read out, but I'll give it a go. It's a a PDF file from the Hardys site. So it's www.hardys.com.au and Hardy is spelt with a Y-S, so it's H A R D. Y S. So it's www.hardies.com.au, uh, and then you go to the wines page, and you're looking for Nottage Hill Cabernet Shiraz 2011.pdf. And let's just read a little bit of what it says here. Not going to read it all. Uh, what well, you to go to their page. <coughs> um, tasting notes, wine style uh, from sweet to dry uh, goes uh, from levels one to five and it's at the very dry end the fifth, uh, five out of five for the dry and between the light and full bodied it's set to five colour crimson with red hues, bouquet lifted plum with and dark berries with violet and rose petal floral notes. Well, yes, there was some floral. I couldn't have have identified them with that precision, but um, that's what we're supposed to be uh, expected to uh, get on the nose with violet and rose petal floral notes and subtle black pepper and nutmeg spice. Now, nutmeg I got, I didn't get the black pepper, And there is, actually, there is a little bit of heat there, but where it says black pepper, I put that down to the fact that it's 14% by uh, alcohol, which is obviously, for some people, they prefer to drink 12%, percent So 14% is um, maybe a little above there. Although, in actual fact, on the actual Hardest site, it rates the alcohol at 135 Um palate, a soft full-bodied red uh, with rich plum cassis and mulberry fruit flavours. They're accompanied by subtle, well that's probably why I didn't get it, black pepper and clove spice. The wine has fine tannins, I read subtle for that, and an elegant acid structure, yes gives that dry, which support the generous fruit flavours, yes it can certainly stand that dry element. There are subtle savoury oat flavours and the wine has a lingering dark plum and blackberry finish. Well, I think they are giving it rather elevated descriptors there for what is a medium-priced, modestly-priced wine. <coughs> but nonetheless, um, uh, very, very nice indeed. And um, winemaker Paul Lapsey, region Southeastern Australia, Um, and it can be kept for up to three years. It's a screw-capped wine, by the way, but none the worse for that. So that's the PDF from Hardis. Hardis established in 1853. Uh, But I've got some more information about that in a minute. I'm just going to read a little bit from the um, Tesco page uh, today, and I'm spending a little bit more time on this wine. Because, uh, remember, when I do these topics, I talk about the wine, uh, we have a topic and then we have wine facts. Um, but the wine facts, in this particular case, are really more about um, the linkage between the wine I'm tasting and what I'm going to be talking about in the main body of the call. Uh, and I'm also going to have a little bit of information about um, the the wine tasting I'm going to be going on between this week's show and next week's so that's why i'm spending a little bit of time on this so the link i've just put in the room is tesco but uh, if you if you go to dot des- tes- tesco.com forward slash wine again hardy's Nottage hill um cabernet Syrah gives it four out of five stars there's two reviews here um and it equates to uh, as it says seven pounds ninety eight per bottle uh, what else does it give us extra information here? Well, actually, it gives that information that will link into what I'm going to be talking about a little bit later. And although this is a, called in a Nottage Hill, it is a hardy uh, wine. Um, but it is also now uh, accolade wines. And I should say, if you're thinking, well, is it Nottage? Is it hardy? Is it, is it accolade? The bottom of the front label this is what the information reveals in 1884 thomas hardy Nottage began a 60 year career looking after the vineyards his this passion and delegation is a treasured part of our history and to this day wines flourish on the hill that bears his name so this is um a more closely matched wine to a particular estate, many of course of hardy 's wines are sourced from lots of different areas and uh, but this particular one, having the Nottage Hill um, label uh, is certainly um, for the most part sourced from this particular area and let's see we 've got uh, what these two little reviews are um, by Wine Rock. This was a review put here just the tenth of April of this year um, great everyday drinking wine will complement most meat and cheese dishes nice body fresh flavours well here we are on a tuesday sounds an ideal thing in fact i'm just fancying something um, a little bit uh, of a meal afterwards and from uh, chetley on the 25th of november from last year it is a very smooth rich and fruity wine full of flavour ideal for drinking on its own which of course is what i'm doing are with red meat or curry. So there's quite um, an agreement there between those two people and my own initial thoughts on this particular wine. By the way, they rate it as a C in the bodied, not a D, but a C medium bodied wine. But it's edging towards a heavier bodied. I think if it had a little bit more of an oak structure, uh, then that would be the case. But for this particular wine, I think that is a very apt descriptor. OK, um, I think I'm going to talk a little bit more about the wine uh, in a moment, but I want to just lead into why this particular uh, one uh, and why we've got a slight... Um, oh, and I'll, I'll get rid of those links. Just No, I'll just mention this one link from Hardys because, of course, there's a vast range of wines that they produce. wouldn't want you to think this is just one... So the link to just check that out, and by the way, you do have to enter a date of birth because it's um, because it's you know for people who drink of a drinking age <clears throat> before the page opens for you to ask you to put in your date of birth. But it's www.hardys.com forward slash uh, sorry hardys.com.au forward slash <laughs> <laughs> content forward slash hour dash wines dash tasty dash notes and it mentions there um, the different groups they've got um, let me just read uh, we've got the Thomas Hardy brand the uh, with just a Cabernet Sauvignon Eileen Hardy with uh, three wines Chardonnay, Shiraz, Pinot Noir HRB um, Cabernet Sauvignon a Chardonnay, a in and a Syrah. Sir James, grouping, uh, Brut de Brut, Curve Brut, Vintage and uh, Tumbra Lumba. i <laughs> not sure what that is. And they've got plenty more, obviously, the Knottage, the Crest or oh, the Stamp. Now, I have had some of Hardy's Stamp wines and I do like those. In particular, I would recommend the um, the Hardy Stamp Shiraz. Although, uh, since maybe my sister Pamela is listening at some point to this thing. Uh, One thing she's said to me in the past is that um, she finds that some of the hardest stamp wines do give her a little bit of a headache. She finds, uh, she doesn't know whether it's um, something in the wine or what, but um, she can only have a glass or so of that. She finds that it can give her a little bit of headache. Um, and, And, of course, there are some people that do find that red wines are more likely to give them some sort of headache okay um that, so let me uh, what i do is once i do these pages i move them off my page um but we are going to talk about australia quite a bit more um oh and i have got another wine fact and that's a little bit um uh, about um the london international uh wine fair which is ongoing at the moment but hopefully we'll have time to cover that um anyway what has changed today's topic, and we're at over 21 minutes now, David, um, is a new series here in the UK on Sundays. Uh, it's a three-part series with a great presenter that I like. It's called Simon Reeve. He's done around the Pacific Rim, and he's done about going around the equator and the Tropic of Can- uh, Cancer, I think it was. But he's doing a great um, three-part series traveling around australia so the program is on bbc2 here in the uk surely you'll find it in many other countries this is going to be one of those programs that will uh, you know uh, be uh, uh, far and wide from the bbc it's australia with simon reeve let me just explain a little bit about this and then we'll go forward on to the wide aspect of it um uh, Talking in actual fact, the the link I've got is for the second episode, so I should really have opened the first episode one, but I suppose that's because it's um it's onto that. So, but this is uh, it's giving the information for the one that's coming up on the 26th of May. So I'll just read that rather than jump them out. And um, in the second episode of this three-part series, Simon travels from Darwin, Australia's Northern Territory. Cross to the remote Cape York Peninsula and onto to the Great Barrier Reef, that should be marvelous, but um, in the first episode that I saw, he started off in the very central area of Australia and traveled south uh, straight down um, straight down to Oz, uh one of the major Wy Mary making areas, and of course, that included the um, the Hardy. Uh, wine making facility, and w- he talks about it there being on an industrial scale, and the very fact that there's the largest wine refinery in the southern hemisphere down there. And uh, well, you'll hear a little about it because I've got a little clip now. This is a one hour program, and I've got a clip that just lasts uh, three minutes and a few seconds. So I feel as though that's a fair usage of uh, just giving you an example of this program so um, let me without further ado play this uh, little three minute clip if you hear any background noises <clears throat> that's me just having a little taste of my wine while we listen in so here we go this is uh, where he arrives in the wine making area and because of the title of today's big and fruity wine water and australia Listen to the emphasis on water as well. Here we go.
2: Bill Hardy is the great-great-grandson of the founder of one of the world's best-known wine brands, Hardy's. What should I be looking for?
0: Okay, okay. If you're going to do it strictly, you should look at colour first. Get a lovely backdrop. Look at the colour of that. Isn't it a beautiful... It, it's got a nice straw yellow colour. It's not light and green yellow. It's not a light green yellow. It's a it's little straw yellow. yellow.
2: Yeah. This is, the good, this is good language. Yeah. And when do I start getting sense of
0: vanilla? Give the glass a nice swirl like that. Can we try That's it? A bit bit moderate. Yes, yes. You're allowed to put it on the palate. Leave it there for three or four seconds. Let it move around your mouth. Let it warm up in your mouth. And it'll release more flavour. Swallow, swallow.
2: It's much better that way. I thought you were supposed to spin it out. (laughs) It's delicious.
0: It is good, isn't it? Delicious. It's very much an Aussie Chardonnay. It's quite big and rich in body, quite a lot of flavour. It's not a, a light, thin,
2: aromatic wine. All of the vines here need tender care and, of course, plenty of water.
0: They look in good nick. Vines would not exist here unless you irrigated them. A vine tends to need... 600 700 millimetres of rain to to, you know to work properly so we need to irrigate and and that's what's
2: going on here it is so you're you're watering tens of thousands of vines here presumably this way yes yes these vines drink millions of gallons of water which is pumped out of south australia's main river system what sort of Figures uh, is, uh, in terms of bottles, is your company producing each year?
0: Well, the overall group these days produces somewhere around the 20 to 25 million bottles a year.
2: 20 to 25 million bottles. Yeah. That's, a, that's that. That would supply a country, wouldn't it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it probably would. In fact, it supplies something like about 80 countries around the world. This isn't rustic
2: winemaking, of course. This region is producing wine on a truly industrial scale. Just a few miles from Hardy's Vineyard is the biggest winery in the Southern Hemisphere. The scale of this! So each of these tanks can hold roughly 350,000 bottles of wine, and they've got a 1,000 of them, so uh, 350 million bottles of wine at this, uh, at this one facility. Of course, if you're going to put a decent bottle of wine on a table in Britain for a few quid, then this is how you have to make it. It has to be done industrially, and the process has to be mechanised. Australia has changed the way the world drinks wine with mass production, big-name brands like Hardy's, and clever marketing. Central to the entire winemaking process is vast quantities of water, it's estimated that on average it takes around 500 litres to make a single bottle of wine. The precious resource is carefully managed here, but this region still faces a water crisis.
1: And there you are. I, I, that, th- some of those statistics was astounded me. Um, great programme, by the way, but um, let's just go through some of those statistics. Um, <clears throat> 500 litres of water during the irrigation time for those grapes to come to harvest that will be enough to produce one bottle, maybe for one litre. Uh, I'm not sure if you meant one bottle or one litre, but there you go, you said one bottle. But let's, let's even take it at 500 to one. That's a fantastic amount. The, the hardy group, not just in this particular area, of course, because um, 20 to 25 million bottles And that in that one, I know I'm telling you something you've just heard, but I I just need to underline those statistics. That each of those, there's a big, look like um, what you see in America, like the corn silos, that's what they look like. Great big aluminium towers uh, with a crisscrossing footbridges all over them. Each one could hold 350,000 bottles. (laughs) What a thousand of those! I mean, it beggars belief. It really does. But as he says, how else are you going to produce at one end of the world something that takes care for you know weeks and months of the year and harvested and produced and whatever and barreled and brought to market and bottled and labelled, and then ship it all the way across halfway across the world and to many other countries, of course, to the UK, and then sell it? Where remember. Um, when I talk about this price, right, what did I say this wine was? Uh, just let's, for simplicity's sake, call it £8. Now, here in the UK, probably £3 of that is tax. Maybe the supermarket, or the shop, the outlet, the retail, is going to take at least a £1, pound, maybe one pound fifty of that. Then the wholesaler is going to take 50p of that. So we're down to 4 pounds when it gets in this country, so perhaps the wine producer gets two pound two pound fifty for the bottle, and it must cost them one pound fifty to produce the blooming wine, say well fifty p uh, no let's say a pound for the wine, fifty p for the bottle label. You can see it's absolutely in fact i 'm almost amazed that <clears throat> they can get a bottle from Australia to here and sell it for less than fifty quid when you think about it, and it 's only by doing it in massive scale that this is the way. So when people complain, I suppose, about mass-produced wines and having a slightly, you know, a chemical element to them, uh, you've got to realise the pressures that are under. Now, having said that, there is a tipping point, And that tipping point, I think, will be different for individuals. Uh, there will be many people who would say, there's no point in buying any wine maybe under 10 pounds. Uh, and and let's equate that to say $20 in the US but of course I know £10 is actually $15 but um, because of our tax uh, let's say a $20 wine there will be many people in America who would say that any wine under 20 quid is basically slurp you know you you glug it you swig it and what have you um, because basically it's mass produced wine having said that there will be an awful lot of wines where the price is entirely inflated um, because of the, the name on the label. So you're paying $200 a bottle, or a uh, £100, or £150. And there will probably, for many people, be their own sweet spot. That sweet spot, of course, will be a level of quality that is enjoyable, but yet not a surprise where they can barely drink it, where only be, you can only afford to drink one or two or three bottles of wine a month. Uh, and, of course, that will vary considerably for my own part let me just uh, say that um although i do drink quite a lot of wines under this price at 5 pounds they're usually wines that are reduced um 10 pound wines reduced to 5 pounds although of course sometimes that reduction is not because uh, you know it's the end of line maybe that has been a disappointing wine maybe it's not been stored properly maybe it's at the end of its life uh, maybe for other factors so, um, I mean, the, the sweet spot for me, and especially when I buy my better wines from Naked Wines, is probably the um, 8 to £12 pound mark. I wish I could buy more wines at that price. Probably when you uh, aggregate all the wines I drink, the sweet point for me probably comes out at about £7, pounds, um, with sort of two-thirds of them lower than that uh, and one-third going in the 10 to £12 pound range. If I could spend more, I most certainly would. Oh, I've gone off topic again, but never mind. So, uh, one of the things that goes on, and obviously I only wanted to play a small clip, and let me just read from the link that i put in the room. I found the link to the first programme, the one that that clip comes from. Let me read you the URL first. BBC, uh, sorry, www.bbc.co.uk forward slash media centre forward slash program a uh, prog info forward slash 2013 forward slash 21 forward slash australia html and i'm just going to read a little bit of this because this is um something that links to it in the baking heart of the continent simon discovers how an unlikely animal threatens oh sorry that's a bit before that let me move on he, yeah, He's talking about camels. Camels were released into the wild, and now they become uh, an almost a pest.
0: A little bit like
1: rabbits were 1,500 years ago. Let me move down to this. Oh yeah. Um, heading south, Simon learns that the art of wine. <coughs> the, the art, sorry, p- apologies for that cough. Learns the art of wine tasting with legendary winemaker, but in the driest inhabited on earth, large-scale agriculture requires irrigation using billions of litres of water. Simon witnesses the impact on Australia's greatest river, the Murray, and of course is the Murray-Darling Basin. Um, and one of the things that's mentioned here, and we mentioned that um, 500 litres per thing, is the fact that um, conservationists have decided that... Um, the vast river basin of the Murray-Darling, they can take up to 25% of that water out without affecting the ecosystem. But they're now actually pulling nearly a third, to over 30% of the water out, nearly 33%, 35% out, and that's now starting to have a real impact. And some people, uh, they showed a petrified forest uh, in the programme, uh, that they really have to start... Uh, Uh, husbanding that water supply. And I've said again on The Big and Fruity in past episodes that uh, the limiting factor for wine production in uh, Australia, which is a a fantastic amount, is still the amount of water. They've got the sunlight, they've got the acreage, um, it's the water that is the limiting factor. Okay, let me get rid of that little clip. Let me just go uh, and mention... Uh, and because we've got I've got 35 minutes already, I don't know how you do it, David. You just whiffle on. Uh, let me put a link in. I was going to read a little bit about Australian wine uh, from this wiki page, wikipedia.org forward slash wiki forward slash Australian underscore wine. Let me just bring that page to your attention and read a very little bit from it. Um, the Australian wine industry is the fourth largest exporter of wine. With approximately 750 million litres a year to the international. Well, that's a, a thousand million bottles. That's one billion bottles, isn't it? With only 40% of the production consumed domestically. The wine is a significant contributor to the Australian economy through production, employment, export, and tourism. Well, there's another segue. Did I say I was doing about tourism? Well, actually, I'm mainly doing about. French wine tourism next week, but it's good to know that these other countries do, uh, the tourism is part of their thing. Um, Australians consume over 350 million litres annually, with the per capita consumption at about 30 litres. 50% of that is white table wine, 35% red table wine. Oh, it's amazing. Um, uh, and I'm assuming the rest is sparkling and so on. So, a lot to read on Australian wine on the Wikipedia page. And there's another uh, little page I just want to come from, I'll go to from the um, relating to this, and that is um, hardies.com.au. This is, um, I think I've actually, um, that's right, I've uh, I've overwritten the url so let me say that again this is a wiki page and it is wikipedia.org forward slash wiki forward slash accolade underscore wines and spell accolade just in case i'm pronouncing it incorrectly a double c o l a d e and um let me just read a little bit this is um, was formerly the Hardy Wine Company, Constellation Wines Australia, and that was till June 2011. But now it's called Accolade Wines. An absolute fantastic. Now, the labels here, let me just read this little bit, Includes Station, I've had some Station wines, uh, Brooklyn Valley, uh, Echo Falls, Flagstone, Hardy's, House of Arras. Uh, Kumala, um, many more, uh, S- Sir James, Stanley, Stone, Stowles, uh, William Hardy, Yarra Burn. Unbelievable, the, the, the conglomerate that that. The company has more than 1,700 employees in Australia, UK, Europe, Asia, North America and South Africa. So there's an awful lot to read there about that. And um, two more things about Australia and then we really must, I'm going to have to uh, beat a retreat, aren't I? I'm not really going to read much to these next two pages, but draw your attention to them. First one is um, from Australia Top. And it's Australia Top, that's all on word, forward slash index, php. And then the page I was going to look at and read from before I witted on so much is Top Ten Australian Wines. So definitely a page to go and look at top 10 Australian wines um, let me see if there's anything I can read um, being one of the top wine producers in the world Australian wine industry has become a massive help to the country's economy because of the trend Australian wines are no longer confined to the bars and wineries in the country these wines have made their way into the European market and can be found in famous restaurants across Europe and other parts of the world. With this, Australian wine trend is now will surely continue for years to come. Um, and there's an awful lot of information there on that page. Uh, probably the most famous one, let me mention that. Well, let me mention a few, but um, the most famous one is probably Penphone's Grange. Um, then we've got Wolf Blass, Lindemanns, Rosemount, Hardy's, Jacobs Creeks, Bilbortelli, Yalumba, Yellow Glen, and Berry Estates. So please read about those. I think we may return to that page and look at it in more fullness another time. And one page I really must mention. Good heavens. Um, time is against us now i've had this sigma wine and this is a beautiful map it's a uh, bmp picture but it's from uh, a site called uh, Windup. wind up that's w-i-n-e-d-u-p windup www.windup.com forward slash images forward slash ost wine regions and there's a fabulous map of uh australia there with all the wine regions color-coded please take a look at that and let me just put in the um the wind up front page uh, because um, that looks like a great page lots of other information there www.windup.com forward slash au forward slash wineries forward slash default uh lots of information there Right, well, I was going to talk a little bit about the International Wine Fair, but what we might do is add that on to next week. Maybe, when it's because it's still in progress, of course, it still goes on until uh, Wednesday the 22nd. So maybe we'll mention uh, the Wine Fair uh, next week a little bit. Just making a note for myself. Just remember that next week we're talking about wine tasting reports, and maybe that's an appropriate time to include a little bit about the london wine fair the um, international london wine fair and by the way, if you're on Twitter and you want to know about it uh, put in the uh, go to your twitter feed and put hashtag um, l i w f and you'll be able to see all the tweets that people are tweeting about the London International Wine Festival. So with that, I think we'd better find our Podsafe exit music and say it's time for day they see 2 Thank you for listening and uh, hope you have a marvellous week. Until next time, when it will be episode 90 of the Big and Fruity Wine Podcast. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. Here's the outro. Music.